Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Hello and welcome to the Sportsgrad podcast. My name is Ruben Williams, and with me, as always, is the intriguing Ryan Walker. How are you today, Ryan? Doing fantastic, Rose. Intriguing is on point. Uh, I believe there was a, and what they call it, a listicle a few weeks ago or a couple of days ago. Yeah. I'm not sure when it was, but apparently we're intriguing. Apparently, I've heard. Yeah. You in particular, if, if you dive into the, into the listicle, it actually lists your name as the intriguing part of the podcast. So, yeah, right. uh, no. fascinating as always. And I look forward to more fascinating insights from you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming, mate. Don't, don't worry. Very intriguing person. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's dive straight into it. Firstly, thank you very much to you for listening, for downloading, for getting involved today. We really appreciate everybody who gets around the podcast. Today, we're talking to Erin Kearney about how to build a career in high-performance technology. Erin is supporting one of the breakout rooms on behalf of Vold Performance at the Australian Sports Technology Conference coming up on the 20th of November. So, we wanted to get to know Erin and Vold a bit before the day. We've also got an exclusive discount code for those looking to attend. You can use SGRAD30 at the checkout and you can save 30% off the price of your ticket. You can find the link and the code to that in the show notes. It's going to be an awesome event for those who love learning. It is the leading sports technology event in the world led by the guys at the Sports Tech World Series. I happen to also be presenting at the conference about building a career in sport, plus there's going to be a host of other speakers from around the globe all speaking about how they as industry leaders have tackled an unprecedented year in the sports landscape. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time and you're thinking, what is this show? Who are these two guys? The Sports Grad Podcast is your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne and Ryan is a graduate of Notre Dame Australia in Perth. A few years ago, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together And now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape or form that may be in the sports industry. On to our special guest for today, Erin Kearney. Erin's career spans seven years across communication and sports technology. Prior to this, she was actually a personal trainer whilst completing her communications degree at the University of Queensland. Over the years, she's been able to combine both of her skill sets working large commercial gyms for tech companies across psychophysiological data taken from GPSs, training loads, and musculoskeletal information, and making it accessible for athletes. And even across brand and relationship management for the global retailer Lorna Jane. These days, she is the marketing manager at Vold Performance, who we'll learn more about shortly. Erin, welcome to the SportsGrad podcast. Thanks so much, guys. That was a that was a long introduction, but um, thanks very much for having me on. Erin, uh, I hear you're up in sunny Queensland. Uh, how, how's it all going out there? You, you've dodged a bullet with our good friend, the virus. Uh, how's it all going in sunny Queensland? Um, 
It's good. It's I don't want to rub anything in, but uh, life's almost back to normal. Um, it's still a bit of those footloose laws where you can't go out dancing, but uh, it's nice to be able to go out and social gatherings and restaurants. And I'm sure you guys will get there pretty soon. Hopefully, news is heading heading in a good direction for you guys. Erin, the one thing that we missed from our introduction, which you've just enlightened us on, is the fact that you used to run a podcast yourself as well and are all across the the process of the researching and writing the questions and the hosting and editing. So uh, this one should go much better than than normal with with your assistance. I'm hoping so uh, for your benefit. It's a bit different being on the other side though, so we'll see. It's uh, it's fantastic to have podcast alumni uh, when, when we are interviewing guests, so... No, welcome to you, Aaron. Firstly, uh, can you tell us a, a bit about who Vold are and what you're doing uh, for them in your current role? Sure. So Vold are the leaders in providing objective human measurement systems to health and performance professionals. Um, as a company, our mission is to provide these professionals with the right information for the right decision at the right time. Um, So that comes through a host of different technology products. Um, The most well-known one is probably the Nordboard, which was uh, initially what launched the company in 2015, which is a hamstring strength testing system, which looks at imbalance and strength in the hamstring. Um, From there, we've acquired more products such as the ForceX, which is a dual force plate system that tests neuromuscular strength and imbalance. The Force Frame, which is an isometric strength testing system, um, Human Track, which is a movement analysis system, and more recently, Airbands, which is blood flow restriction training cups, as well as uh, Telehab, which is an online exercise prescription platform. So that was a mouthful, sorry. Bold has become one of the largest sports technology companies, or it's growing very fast to become one of those. Currently, we have over 850 clients worldwide. Um, that includes elite sporting teams military defence organisations, universities and health facilities as well. From a team's perspective, we work with 20 EPL teams, 20 Major League Baseball teams, 22 NFL teams, 26 NBA teams, 17 AFL teams, 16 NRL teams and over 70 70 governing bodies or NSOs. Um, My role at Bold is to look after the performance verticals. So as I mentioned, we serve as health and performance professionals. I look after more dealing with the sports teams and the performance institutes. Um, So what that looks like day to day is managing websites, supporting on social media, uh, supporting with content management, supporting sales staff in whatever they might need, whether it's a flyer, presentation, Um, supporting conferences such as the Sports Tech World Series conference that's coming up as well. Uh, And I don't know if I said content, but, you know, during COVID, I worked with Selwyn Griffiths from the Lions to create, um, I think it was over 50 hours of online webinars using 60 health or 60 performance practitioners from organizations all over the world. So it was a pretty uh, big series that got pulled together in a pretty short amount of time, which was a lot of fun. Um, And then I also support the product team as well. So whenever we've got new features or we've got uh, anything to communicate to current clients or prospective clients, I make sure that the messaging from the product team is correct um, and it's appealing to who we're talking to. Um, And then I suppose I work with the directors as well to really execute on big objectives for the company and make sure there's some brand growth happening and, you know, we're hitting our quarterly and yearly goals. 
So it's a bit of a mouthful, but the summary of what I do. Yeah. Can I say, Rubes, there's two things that I'll take from that. Number one is we've got a candidate for answer of the year. Um, and second of all, uh, any use of the word Nord, uh, I know you mentioned Nord board, reminds me of uh, the the dreaded Nordics that we that we do following footy training. And can I just say they they can hurt sometimes and probably the reason why my hamstrings go each year because I'm not doing them. But back to that answer, there's a lot in there, Rubes. I don't know. That's I reckon that's up there with the answer of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the Uni Blues could probably use a Nord board down at their rooms to help you and your hamstrings out. Um, I've had a few troubles myself, so I could probably invest in one too. But I'm also just keen to dig a bit deeper on your interaction with the the product team and, and what um what's the makeup of the product team. Obviously, you guys have a few different um, pieces of technology that you you roll out and um, pieces of pieces of equipment that you guys sell too. What, what's the process that you guys go through using the team that you've got to develop and, and release um, a new piece of equipment? Sure. So um, within Vold, we have product owners. So each of the uh, systems that I mentioned, they have a lead or a product coordinator that really kind of owns that development from, you know, what are the new features that are acquired or what our clients are asking for from the feature development point of view. Um, and then I sit with that person to really understand what are the goals and who is this feature really being developed for. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's always to try and optimise our clients' use of the system or make their lives better or easier. So it's all part of that process of really understanding what we're developing it for and making sure those key messages are there. Um, from a product roadmap perspective, um, I suppose that's something that the product team sit and work with the lead product manager each quarter to kind of understand like what are the big requested features from other clients or is there a new body of research saying, you know, this is some kind of metric that should be included within the system. So I suppose from a source perspective, they do draw on a lot of different channels to really try and make sure that the product is still very innovative and still leading in the market. Um, and then they kind of make decisions based on what the priority is from a client perspective. It's amazing sort of hearing how much goes into obviously creating all these certain types of equipment across the board over all types of sports. It's it's quite uh, it's quite interesting. But Aaron, we'll, we'll go back to when you first sort of started off in your career. You Obviously, um, you started your communications degree um, and where did you sort of see your career heading when you when you started your communications degree? Definitely not here. Um, I actually started more with a dual degree of journalism and communications. Uh, I think I wanted to be Lois Lane or some boss lady like that. But um, when I started actually interning in the market, I kind of realised journalism was changing a lot, and it wasn't it wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, so that's where I pivoted more into public relations and communications. Um, and while I was studying, uh, I was busy building my portfolio. So I was doing anything for free, um, from website copy to writing articles for brands. And I just saw that as an opportunity to, you know, get that experience of feedback with clients versus honing my writing skills more and more. Um, and while I was doing that, I saw a job opening for a copywriter for a sports technology company. And I threw my hat in and I got the job. 
Um, and from there, it kind of evolved from copywriting for the website and their flyers into more of a marketing role. So I helped actually build the website and develop the website. And from there, I went into writing all of the training manuals for the product. So the sports technology company um, is now known as AMS by Catapult. It was acquired by Catapult Sports, the GPS company. Previously, when I I was employee number three to start there, um, but it was called SportsMed or SMG Technologies. And essentially, it's an athlete management system that aggregates a lot of different data points on athletes from their medical data to GPS data to, um, you know, daily screening and RPEs and training loads and things like that to try and aggregate that into one system so that Firstly, the data is all together and that practitioners can use that data to support their decision-making. Um, so, yeah, I got to write all the training manuals uh, for that product and through that I got to know the system really well. And that's kind of how I first stepped into sport. There's a there's sort of like that the specific theme of the area of sport they're in. You know, you, you're specifically focused on sports technology, which is quite a cool area and, and obviously an area that is advancing by the year. What what do you sort of love most about sports technology and sort of that, that area of sport? Why have you sort of chosen sports tech? I think first I just loved um, the people that I got to meet. It was really the people who drove me a lot to stay in the industry as well. And being part of the athlete management space is you kind of see the system as being central to a lot of the departments in a sports team. Um, and I saw my role as really helping them to aggregate and helping them to try and understand what was going on with their athletes. And I think because I I thought I was helping or I thought I was with a company that was helping, it really kind of drove me to keep working into the space and keep working really hard. And um, I think the evolution of what happened from there is that a lot of the time sports technology really is pioneering the way for the rest of the world when it comes to data innovations. So when you think about it, there's not really many more individuals who will test their body um, in the way that athletes do or that capture as much data as athletes do. You know, in one soccer game, athletes can capture up to 90,000 data points for one individual just from game data. Um, And then you're looking at GPS data on top of that you're looking at all the different kind of metrics that you're measuring during the week. So I suppose sports pioneering a lot of that um, data collection, that data analysis to really understand how the human body works. And through my experience in this space, I've ha- I've been able to have conversations with Apple and Nike and Under Armour who are all starting to or have been for years really trying to move into this space and turn that into something that they can give to consumers and leverage with their products as well. So um, just the innovation and the people really is what makes this place really exciting for me and why I like staying around. I reckon a, a couple of years ago I first came across at the athlete management system or a athlete management system. I'm not sure how many different players there are, but I reckon it was uh, Ryan, I reckon it was Alex Contouris, the head of sports science at Cricket Australia who um, sat down for coffee with me one day and was showing me the AMS and it said, hey, you can you can see a spike here in Mitchell Stark's bowling loads and then sure enough, a couple of weeks later, he gets a side strain. So showing me all the technology that they use to kind of track the the fitness and, and freshness of some of the athletes to predict, you know, when they should be bowling more or bowling less. So, and you 
uh, Aaron, you mentioned Catapult as, as well. For your company to be, to be acquired by Catapult, that's that's pretty big because Catapult are one of the major players uh, in that space around the world. So for you to be at the forefront of that in the early stages is very cool. But you mentioned a number of, of different things uh, in the early stages of your career. I'm interested to hear what were some of the uh, the main factors or decisions that impacted your career trajectory early on? It was probably that piece about uh, helping people. So I think inherently that is how I'm driven is um, by supporting people and supporting, I suppose, the industry. And um, through my first role, I got to meet a lot of these practitioners. And in a really weird pivot, I because I knew the system so well, having written all the training manuals, um, one of the business development managers quit uh, and he quit with, I think, three days' notice. And he was due to go down to Parramatta Eels the next week and roll out this system. So that actually fell to me to do as a 23-year-old was to go down and stand in the room with Brad Arthur and the physios and Paul Devlin and all sorts of, like, amazing practitioners and teach them how to use this athlete management system. So um, it pivoted my career in a really weird way. I became a client relationship manager for... Uh, like Manly Sea Eagles, Para Eels, Queensland Reds, a few of the other NRL teams for uh, the best part of a year. And actually having that interaction with those practitioners and helping them solve problems and helping them do their job in a better way um, really made me, like it drove me to keep working in this industry and it drove me to answer calls at 5am or 10pm at night and, um, you know, just really make sure I was helping them and putting the client first. That's uh, that's pretty cool being thrown into the deep end like that. What were you, what were you sort of thinking going to the change rooms, thinking, "Hey, like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen here. But I've got to have a crack." <laughs> uh, I think the the biggest thing I held on to was that I knew the technology better than anyone else in that room. Like they knew their stuff, but I knew the system better than them, and that's all I was holding on to at the time. Just hold on to that that bit of confidence. That's that's the one only way you can go, really. So. Um, not fantastic. What's um, what's been one aspect of of any of your sort of roles so far that you never in a, in a million years thought that you'd be doing? Uh, I suppose that one was a big one, considering I was a communications and marketing and background. Um, something else I did. So I lived in Dublin for two years, and while I was in Dublin, I actually got to work for a competitor to AMS by Catapult, which is called Kitman Labs. Um, and Kitman Labs is really leading the forefront when it comes to data science and analytics in athlete management space. Um, while I was there, I was asked to organise a conference um, for more of the European kind of organisations or sports organisations. So that was, you know, Chelsea, Manchester United, Liverpool, a lot of the UEFA teams um, all coming to a conference. So I think we had 260 practitioners um, and as part of that conference, Kitman wanted to launch this concept of a high-performance framework for high-performance institutes or high-performance teams. So I got to work with an incredible practitioner called Darcy Norman, um, who I mentioned to you guys earlier was part of the German national team uh, for the Football World Cup. He was part of the team when they won the World Cup, part of the team when they lost the World Cup, and he's now working uh, with the United States soccer team. Um, but Darcy has had a very expensive experience in sport and in a high-performance role. 
And he and I worked together to actually build a framework that is now being implemented into teams like Chelsea and AS Roma, as well as some other organizations. So I never thought um, I'd be able to be involved in a project like that that's actually being used still to this day. And it's definitely all Darcy's IP. Um, I was just the person who could facilitate actually executing and communicating that into a digestible kind of manner. So that was a pretty cool project. You've had some pretty cool touch points across um, the world of sport with, uh, you know, your products reaching lots of Cristiano Ronaldo and you working with some of the practitioners in the German football team under, was it Joachim Lowe's reign that we discussed earlier? We, we managed to connect that one. Erin, <laughs> um, you've done so many different things from copywriting to website development to content um, to customer relationship management to running conferences and you know, dealing with the world of spec sports technology and all these different products. Is there one or two practical things that grads can do at the moment to set themselves up to take on a variety of different responsibilities once they hit the workforce? Yeah, so I would say um, two big points. And I think you guys have discussed this. This is a common theme in some of your previous podcast episodes with other guests is, uh, to, in my own words, it's don't be a snub when it comes to actually choosing your first career or your first job. Uh, I think getting some runs on the board um, and in sense, like what I said, I was doing stuff for free just to even build my portfolio and my own personal development. Um, even taking a job with a company that will just give you that experience from writing or you know, hosting events or anything, even though it might not be the industry you want to work in, that is going to make you more attractive than a graduate with no experience and no portfolio and all the degrees in the world. Um, it really, at the end of the day, those unforeseen kind of skills that you need to acquire of collaborating or dealing with high-pressure environments or delivering on deadlines, like, at the end of the day, that's really what kind of transfers to having you as a valuable employee. So I would say, uh, you know, get as much experience under your belt as you can, even if it's paid or not paid. Um, and then my second thing is definitely put your hand up and figure things out as you go. Um, don't turn down an opportunity because you're too scared that you might fail. Uh, I think that's what my broad resume could speak to is that I just said yes to a lot of things and figured it out along the way. I was really lucky in the sense that I had a very um, supportive mentor in my first role and I've since had a very supportive team around me who's helped me. Um, but in saying that as well, like they're there to guide you. They're not there for you to lean on. So just being conscious of what you can figure out on your own versus when you do go to them for advice, be really clear with what you're asking because sometimes their time is pretty precious. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my two big kind of tips for anyone. You mentioned a couple of times there the word portfolio. And I, I find that interesting because it seems like you've sort of carried the the mindset of building a portfolio, whether that is, you know, um, projects that you've worked on, whether that's paid or unpaid, whatever job you can, it's sort of all around building a portfolio, which I think for anyone listening, you know, wanting to sort of build their experience up is kind of a, it's a good mindset to take. It's sort of like, here is a portfolio of stuff that I've done and this is what you can bring um, to a job interview or to a, you know, to a new role that you're going into. So I think 
it's an interesting one. You know, it, it's about sort of that mindset that that you carry. So um, that that's just the thought, an interesting one that I just mm, thought of. Uh, not just, a question, but yeah. Just, just to just to add to that, I, I think when you when you approach it with a mindset of developing a portfolio, when you step into a new job, you go in with the intention of doing impactful work that that you can use an example for later on. So you're not just spending time in an organisation; you're actually there with the intention of, of doing something that you can add to your portfolio and then that you can leverage that in the future, um, which it sounds like you've done all throughout your career, Erin. Yeah, I, I suppose I see it as um, it's that proof or it's that thing that you can stand in front of rather than just being in a room and kind of talking yourself up. It's important to really back yourself as well and having a portfolio will definitely do that. So you've worked, I think, is it six or seven different organisations over the last sort of 10 years um, and I've heard through the grapevine that you've only had to sort of present a, a resume for about half of them. Can you sort of share an example of how sort of, say, networking has helped you land a specific sort of role? Yeah, um, it, six or seven sounds bad. I will say that I've uh, sometimes had some of those jobs at the same time as others. So, for example, when I was at Lona Jane, I was also interning as a strength and conditioning coach at a different organisation. Um, so I haven't just been hotspotting around to a new job every couple of months. I just, just to put that out there. Yeah. Um, but I suppose it's not so much, say, networking in a traditional sense of going to a conference and, you know, rubbing shoulders with the right people. It's the sense that... Uh, I've been really lucky every job that I've ever left my, my boss. And I think this is the sports world as well. My bosses have always kind of put me forward for new opportunities or if they know I've been going to a different company, um, but, you know, they know the CEO of Kitman Labs knows the CEO of Vault Performance. And so when I've gone to, you know, knock on the door at Vault or when I first reached out to Laurie here, uh, he obviously had a contact with my old boss um, and I've been lucky enough to leave all my jobs amicably. Um, and, you know, he gave me a glowing reference without needing to present a um, resume or a portfolio in that sense as well. But I think I'm lucky enough as well that the sports technology industry is still quite a small space and there's only so many certain players. So when you see a company doing something good and, it's a small team, you can almost link that back to an individual. So I think I'd like to think that's how I got my job at Bold is uh, Laurie obviously knew some of the good stuff that was happening at Kitman and could connect it back to um, to what I was doing there because I was one of two marketing people at that company. I think that ties really nicely back to something that I believe it was Kath Lochnan said when asked about networking when she was on the show and that is, you know, look after the people within your organization first because they're the ones who are going to refer you down the track. And, Erin, you're a perfect example of of somebody who um, who has referred you based on, you know, the time that you've invested in, in your colleagues. So um, while, yes, you know, meeting other people in, in the industry is, is important, also making sure that you're getting to know your colleagues really well and doing your job really well foremost is absolutely the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say to people as well, like those moments outside of the office, um, so those moments where you share a coffee or you share dinner or, 
you know, you have that opportunity to connect with your team on a more kind of personal basis. That's what really, uh, it's what really makes that connection and what's really makes that, um, I suppose, will help lend itself. And you don't just want to be someone who comes to work and you don't really know your colleagues, like especially when you are in a high-demanding, high-performance kind of role or industry. You do need that ability to laugh with each other and know more about each other and care about each other. And that's definitely something that Bold has and it's something that Kitman had as well. So been very lucky in that sense. Do you have any sliding doors moments where if you didn't take sort of a specific action by following up or or reaching out, um, then an opportunity might have slipped slipped away and wouldn't have presented itself to you? Uh, I would say that with Vold potentially. So I reached out to Laurie. Um, I made the decision to move away from Dublin and back to Australia and um, you know, Kitman supported that. They knew I wanted to come home from the cold and come into the sunshine here in Queensland. Um, and so I reached out to Laurie on my own and I actually didn't take the role when he offered it to me originally. Um, it just didn't feel like it was the right timing. And I did get offered a different opportunity back more in the consumer side of the world. Um, but I did keep my contacts with Bold Warm. So in that sense, you know, I'd catch up with Flurry for coffee or a drink or, you know, if he ever wanted kind of any advice um, from my experience in marketing or he wanted an introduction to someone that I knew within the wider sports industry, I was always more than happy to facilitate. Um, so it's nice to keep those leads warm. And believe me, at the time I wasn't doing it, thinking that I'd come and have a job here. Um, but it it worked in my favour in the end when I wanted to move back into sport. Um, I went I went into fashion and I don't think I'll do that again. Um, it's just not as interesting. <laughs> so uh, I've learned my lesson and I'm on staying put now. A shout out to those in the fashion industry. They'll be yeah. they'll be listening for sure, looking to to get into the the bigger, better industry of sport, mm-hmm. of course. And that's why everybody jumps on our podcast, Erin. Uh, there's a lot of students out there at the moment who um, who are trying to tackle the situation as best they can, and it can be a bit hard to, to stay positive, um, to continue to find new opportunities or to reach out to people um, knowing that the situation is hard. Is there any advice that you've got that you can share with them about uh, staying positive during this time, knowing that it's going to be a bit of a grind without any sort of uh, light at the end of the tunnel of when an opportunity might come up? I suppose it it is that. It is a grind, um, but nothing bad lasts forever. So I think just keeping that kind of positive mentality somewhere. I would say, if anything, uh, you can look at this as an opportunity, again, to do some more personal development. Um, just like our industry in marketing has been impacted a lot by COVID, uh, so have a lot of other businesses. And that means that they don't necessarily have those resources um, for marketing or for communications or, or whatever kind of your niche is. So, again, like n- not all work needs to be paid to be rewarding. Um, there are opportunities there to, you know, help out a small business who might not be able to pay you at this time. But at the end of the day, you've got that opportunity to chuck something else into your portfolio. You've got another opportunity to improve your skills when it comes to client management or really understanding what your clients want. So I think as long as you really focus on, you know, the growth that can come out of those, 
Um, it's never wasted. It's never wasted. And to be honest, it's better than sitting on your bed and watching the latest Netflix episode of whatever. I think that ties back nicely to what you said earlier about don't be a snob when it comes to your career opportunities that present itself. Yeah, and you never know what's going to come out of just that. Like there could be a career opportunity that comes out down the path or maybe they'll recommend you to some someone else or, you know, like I a really good example for me um, was I worked at Luna Jane for a year and a half and I left Luna Jane but when I left that company, I still supported them in a handover or whatever it was. And that was up to six months after leaving. That was unpaid. That was just me trying to be a good person and trying to make, you know, other people's jobs easier in some sense. Um, and I think what really helped there is when I moved back to Australia, I ran into my old manager at Lona Jane, who didn't even know I was back in the country. And she actually recommended me to the Lona Jane investors um, to put into the head marketing position for one of their new companies that they were that they were um, funding. So I got that opportunity to, you know, be the head of that, and that was just off the back of working hard and not really expecting anything in return, just being trying to be a good person, I suppose. What was that like being a part of a, a brand new sort of company for Lorna Jane? Like I didn't even know Lorna Jane uh, sort of funded other smaller companies beneath it, but what was that sort of like? Just delving into that. So it was actually um, it was actually the investors in Lorna Jane. So Lorna Jane is partially owned by Lorna and Bill, uh, but there's also a private kind of investment company um, that I think they own say like 45%, I'd have to confirm that, but um, it's called the Odyssey Group and they found a new company, which was a shoe company. Um, It was like it was challenging. Uh, Any kind of new company, any kind of startup is going to have its challenges. People are working out how to communicate with each other. They're working out processes on how to communicate to customers. Um, You know, but if anything, that was the biggest learning experience and, uh, I got put in charge for the first time of a team of 10 uh, that I was managing from graphic designers um, to they were the social media girls, so they were dealing more with influencers, so more from a PR perspective, um, to some more marketing coordinators. So for me, the biggest experience was people management um, and being able to give my team the attention um, and the feedback that they deserved while also trying to kick my own goals. So. It, it was a challenging experience, but I, I loved it. I don't regret it. taught me a lot. But at the end of the day, what I said before is I find talking sports data, sports analytics a lot more interesting than talking about a shoe. And that is totally fair enough. Erin, <laughs> a lot of your roles have been in the realm of communications and marketing. However, you've been out to get formal training from the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association which seems like a, a pretty left-of-field piece of professional development to, to go and get. How has that helped you in your career so far? I would say I always had a personal passion for that kind of uh, personal development. Um, so being a personal trainer originally um, and then working in the sports industry, I thought, you know, SNC, um, this is really going to give them a bad rap, but SNC was one of the easier kind of certificates to start out with and get. 
full respect to strength and conditioning coaches, there's a lot of personal development that goes on behind the scenes to make them incredible practitioners. It's not just a piece of paper. Um, But in terms of how it actually helped me in my role is it helped me understand the industry a lot more by being on that sideline and dealing with athletes and trying to communicate to coaches and communicate to physios. And it's a lot harder than I think a lot of us understand um, especially on game days or um, in high-pressure moments when you have athletes that might not be listening to you as well or you have coaches who have a very kind of biased opinion about certain um, certain things within the industry or sports science, for one example, is, you know, the old meets the new school mentality. So um, for me, it really helped me understand the pain points of what a lot of the practitioners that I was trying to help were going through because, I got to go through them myself. I think that's so beneficial when you can speak the same language as the people who, who you're working with. You just get so much more more cut through. So that's um, uh, a pretty cool, innovative way to, to add to your to add another string to your bow. Um, what what have, just on that? What advice would you give to other current students looking at you know extra certifications to to boost their resumes and, and their employability? I would say context is key when you are looking at um, doing personal development. Uh, you know, if you're you don't really have the job and you're going after all sorts of certifications because you think it's going to make you more attractive, I suppose it, it can work in one way. But at the end of the day, it comes back to that experience, and a lot of the time in jobs, um, you will have the or a lot of my personal experience with jobs is that you do have that time to keep developing yourself with those different types of certifications Um, but I just think at the end of the day like if you're not really adding to the goals of your organization uh, through those certifications or your own role sometimes you can be wasting money Um, I'm probably going to get shot by Google or something tonight from saying this but uh, I do think like there are a lot of different ways that you can develop yourself without having to pay a hefty price tag for a certification. And then if it comes to it, that's where you can make that decision, but with full context as to why you're really doing that, not just because you want a little label next to your name. Totally fair. I like that, Rubes. There's always always room to develop yourself and Ruben and, I have, Ruben and I have spoken at length over the last week around all the self-help books that we'll be looking at. So, whether it's a course or self-help books, there's always a – you don't always have to spend much money, Rubes. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked on that one. But um, we've mentioned the uh, the Australian Sports Technology Conference coming up, which Vold is uh, hosting a breakout session at. What can people expect uh, from that session? So the session that we are hosting is quite niche. Um, it's around blood flow restriction application in elite athletes. So it's – hosted by Samuel Joseph, who's one of the sports scientists here at Vault, um, and explores the science behind what BFR is um, and then how it's actually being used by practitioners to uh, help athletes return from injury or just to, I suppose, increase um, muscle strength and muscle mass um, when they might be load compromised. Um, there is another session that we are hosting, though, which is uh, – more of a bigger picture session around the digital athlete, which is presented by one of the product coordinators here, Gavin Lenton, and then um, David Lloyd or Professor David Lloyd, who's associated with Griffith University. 
this is a really cool project. This kind of links more towards what I was saying about sport is often pioneering a lot of the innovation and technology that will then move into, I suppose, more general population, general health. Um, but it's about getting a 3D hologram um, and scans of an athlete from everything from like their muscle tissues and uh, just basically their body composition and trying to use um, predictive or artificial intelligence, sorry, to try and understand uh, how the body might adapt to certain training loads or how it might adapt or alter after certain types of injury or using different um, types of coaching technique as well, What, how the body could adapt even on, uh, say, muscle kind of uh, tissue level. So it's um, they'll explain it a lot better than I did, but uh, it's a pretty cool session that uh, we're also hosting. So what you're saying is we can do a scan of Ryan's dodgy hamstring before it gets on a Nord board and then it'll spit out this Star Wars type hologram of Ryan's leg and then show what a Nord board can do to fix his, his hamstring over time. Is that is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, usually, so the hamstring usually goes higher up on the, the right or left hamstring. Actually, mainly the right, my kicking leg. Um <laughs> But, yeah, maybe we'll wait, wait for this hologram and then I can pass it on to Keith D'Souza at the Uni Blues um, who can help his star thirds player get up uh, each and every week. So, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Finally, Erin, for grads interested in the world of high performance and technology, what's one thing they can expect to learn from Vald at the conference that will help them with their careers? I would say just, again, going back to that big picture application, um, the, the space is a really cool, it's a really exciting space um, and it is actually a really broad application kind of space. So, yes, we work with elite sporting teams, but the technology kind of transcends that and, as I said, it pioneers what's really going to start happening in the rest of the world and the general population. So um, I suppose you'll learn about Bold itself. Uh, you'll learn about some of the technology that we're using and who's using it. Um, but then you'll also be able to explore, like, you know, what what it reaches to after as well. Fantastic. We might leave it there, Erin. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been awesome to, to hear about your incredibly vast experience across a number of different responsibilities and been really cool to learn how you've thrown yourself into different situations, learnt on the job, and then created this quite impressive portfolio of work for yourself, which has spoken for itself and then led to, to other opportunities. So um, thank you very much for coming on tonight. And I think uh, one of the other great takeaways I learned tonight, which we might chuck in a, a quote card or something, was don't be a snob. I think that, uh, that might travel far. Um, but thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast. No, thank you so much, guys. And I, sorry to add this one little bit as well. I suppose one of the trends that um, – unfortunately we've seen in COVID as well is that being a generalist is actually pretty powerful so I know I've got a pretty broad kind of skill set um, but that also means that you can be adaptable and flexible so again it comes back to not being a snob and broadening your kind of experience and your, your portfolio and all sorts of things so I think at the end of the day that's really what's going to make you hopefully more employable and more valuable to an organization is that you can adapt to a lot of different things. So anyway, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Our pleasure. No, terrific advice. 
If you want to hear more from Erin and Vald Performance, then it's not too late to see them at the Australian Sports Technology Conference coming up this Friday on the 20th of November. You'll also get to see live keynote speakers and panel sessions from global leaders across the sports industry. There'll be interactive breakout rooms uh, and more chances to get involved in discussions. Uh, There's an interactive app to connect with your fellow attendees and there'll be content on demand so you can watch it after the event and catch up on anything that you missed. And it's all from the comfort of your own home. Uh, I will also be there presenting as well. So with that, we're pleased to offer you 30% off your ticket. If you use SGRAD30 at the checkout, you can find more details about uh, that code and a link to the tickets in our show notes. This event is not one to be missed, so make sure you grab a ticket to that coming up this Friday. Thank you very much for listening. A reminder to please hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any more episodes. Drop us a rating and leave us a review. It really does mean so much and helps us put together the show for you with more sensational guests such as Erin. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 